Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. G'day and welcome to The Call, 10 stocks picked by you two experts. One hour. It is Wednesday, the 4th of January. It's also Super Buy January, if an expert screams Super Buy. Uh, it will go straight to the investment committee. Uh, so let's uh, get to our two experts on the show today. Carl Kapalinga from Think Markets and Nathan Somersandara from Deep Data Analytics. Welcome to you both. Happy New Year. And beware, um, if you do have a super buy, let us know. Um, because it's uh, essentially what is a, a table-thumping buy from, uh, from one of you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Table time. I want my big red button. Yeah, all right. Okay, we big red button. The I budget the didn't stretch that going, far. Flashing yeah. lights. Okay. Come yeah. on. It, it's, it's a tough one in a bear market. That's for sure. Yeah, that is true. Uh, all right. Well, look. Um, our first five stocks we're going to look at in uh, today's show: Rio Tinto, MMA Offshore, Metals Tech, Polynovo, and Perseus Mining. Um, just before we get to our, our stock of the day, uh, interested to get your view of, um, obviously, been an interesting start to the year already. Yesterday was, uh, was very much a, um, was sold off heavily. Today, we're up. Um, Carl, how are you looking at, at the market as we stand at the moment? Obviously, some concern about where the economy is traveling, of course, and I, I guess consensus that we're still in a bear market. Um. Well, not, not technically for Australia. And I think we've been one of the most resilient equity markets around the world. Certainly the US is a bear market. There's no mm. question about that. But it's one of those, looking at today, it's quite funny. I'm going to have a chuckle. I know Nathan will have a chuckle about the price action today because it's kind of one of those days you have after a down day on the ASX where I think the fund managers on very low volumes come in and try and prop up a few of the big names with with big index points and uh, stabilise things. Um, but I do, yeah, look, I mean, you know, my thesis on uh, the markets for 2022, Andrew, which was really one of the few years in my history where I've consistently been a bear the whole year. And it hasn't changed. I think I'm I don't think, I know I'm still pretty bearish for 2023 based upon the charts, based upon the macro as I see it. Now, here's the thing, you know, everybody's got an opinion. We know the saying about that. And people are going to look at the same set of macro, um, you know, factors and find different opinions. So look, I'm looking at the macro, particularly what's happening in China. I think things can get worse in the US and saying that uh, the outlook for equities, at least in the first half of 2023, isn't great. I, But I, I'm always a true believer in long term in the capitalist system, in the ability for um, central banks and governments to continue to keep the bubble going because that's what gets them re-elected. Okay, mm. so I, I'm not going to say we're going to hell in a handbasket, but I do think we've got some tougher times first half and then potentially towards the end of uh, 2023, we could see uh, the bull maybe just rear its head there. Yeah, Nathan, interesting to get your view. Do you think it's the case perhaps in, in 12, 18 months time, we'll look back at this period and think, Oh, that was a great buying opportunity. Uh, I wish I could say that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would love to say that, but uh, the reality is um, 
you've got to remember the seasonality at the start of the financial year um, you get a lot of asset allocation moves globally that play out so the first week of jan generally tends to be positive that kind of flows into that santa rally thing there's a few things that play into that and that's part of it so you generally get a positive first week in jan uh, doesn't uh, tend to last historical seasonality suggests you're probably in a week jan february period so that's the negative side of it um, the positive side is as carl said the Aussie market actually has held up better, um, and it's done that mainly because our valuations weren't extreme uh, to start with, and then we've got the Chinese slash commodities optimism priced in. Um, and I think that's held us a lot better, but that's my worry as well, because China is being priced for reopening cycle quite a bit, especially in a lot of those commodities, especially in things like iron ore, mm. uh, given has happened. Uh, but with the pandemic, you know, most people, logically speaking, it's not going to get back to normality for a couple of quarters um, while it flushes through. So Chinese numbers are pretty weak. I mean, we're talking recession numbers. So everyone is saying they reopened because of the riots and so forth. They reopened because their numbers were going, you know, complete basket case. So um, the numbers are still a basket case. It's going to take a bit of time to flush through. The Chinese recovery will play, but it'll take time. So the market has already got that. So that's my worry. Um, the U.S. market, I think, has real big problems with where the interest rates are. So all of these things in the first half of this year have to kind of fix itself. Yep. After that, we'll get our normal recovery. But remember, we're not going to be getting stimulus because if anybody gets stimulus, inflation goes right back up. So the recovery is going to be a normal economic grinding recovery. I know most people haven't seen that for more than a decade. So. Get ready for new times and new cycles. All right, we are warned. Uh, okay, let's get into our stock of the day. In fact, it's stocks of the day. We're going to take a look at the disruptors in wealth management, Hub24 and Net Wealth. Uh, the broker Jeffrey is saying both companies are now serious players in that industry. The brokerage is saying that despite moderate market share, both have captured around 84% of available inflows. That's for the year to June 2022, and both companies could double their market share over the next decade. So, Carl, how do you look at this sector, and in particular, those two stocks? Uh, well, they, these stocks are going gangbusters at the moment. Um, sector, just, again, if, if we get back to our initial discussion on where markets are going, you know, one aspect of funds under management is market pricing. So, uh, yes, money's rolling in. That's the other aspect of funds under management. So there's a bigger pie. But if the market tanks by 10, 15% over the next six months, and that wouldn't be sort of um, out of the realms of what I'm thinking, uh, then funds under management comes down by 10 to 15%. So uh, I wouldn't say that uh, in the very short term that, it's a sort of a tailwinds kind of market for these sorts of businesses, but medium to longer term, um, look, I think they're going to be both of these are very good within their space. But, you know, bottom left, top right, in terms of um, uh, increasing uh, funds on the platform, earnings growth, and most of the consensus is that that's going to continue. Uh, I would say though that they're not particularly cheap. I don't think they're expensive either. I just think you're, you know, the growth that you're looking to get, which is sort of 25, 30% growth over the next few years, which is consensus, um, you're already paying for that. So you're looking at, uh, you're paying about 55 times earnings for both of them. They're very similar in terms of their valuation metrics, funnily enough, very similar in terms of their um, 
uh, market caps, funnily enough. But I think the brokers kind of lump these th these two together. So you're paying about 55 times this year's earnings. You're paying about 41, 42 times next year's earnings. Go a few years out, you're looking at um, high 20s in terms of what you're paying for them. Dividend yields consistent across, across both one and a half to two percent. Uh, so I, I think that's about right. That's my mm. my message. I think markets our we think they're fair value. So they're up today. Um, there was a bit of, um, as you said, Jeffrey's, um, you know, uh, broken note out. Market's a bit excited on next to no volume on yep. both of them today. Uh, so that's brought them up to a fair value target. As I said, the yields aren't compelling. Neither of the charts, I would say, are so fantastic that it's going to override what I see uh, on the fundamentals and the valuation side and make me jump in. If I had to pick between the two, Hub is definitely my pick, and this is purely on the technicals because I said the valuation is very similar. Um, a hub, 100% a hold. I don't think I'm at a buy. I, I, it, it's not far away, though. Um, uh, net wealth is not a buy for me on the technicals. And in fact, I'd probably be leaning more towards a sell. So there's a little bit of a creative um, trade mm. you could do here for, for the people out there that um, have access to uh, a CFD account. Of course, Think Markets, wonderful CFD uh, broker here. You could go long hub and simultaneously short net wealth, and we call that a pairs trade. So I think you've got some um, inbuilt protection within that that trade there. Yeah, that's interesting. All right, Nathan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, this is these two are market darlings uh, in that uh, platform play. Um, these two are the preferred plays. They've outperformed uh, pretty much everyone. So they've picked up uh, others as they blew up. So Hub is without a doubt the best. Um, you know, from customer service to uh, acquisition to funds under management, everything ticks the box. Um, they are on premium multiples, and I mean premium multiples, and they deserve that, but they, you're not getting a surprise factor, everyone knows. I mean, if, if any investor does not know a hub, uh, they're in the wrong industry. Um, so in that context, I think you're not coming uh, early to the story, everyone knows, it's priced in, as Carl said. Um, I think it's a, both of them are solid holes. Um, I think the businesses are solid. Um, I don't see them blowing up and have a look at all the fund managers. Um, I mean, all the market darling fund managers have been absolutely pummeled while the platform guys are holding up solid. So in that context, I don't think you're going to make a lot. I think your dividends are pretty stable. And I think it'll hold up well. Um, it'll come back with the market and then recover with the market. You're not going to make much. So for me, as a new investment, these two don't stack up. Um, if you are looking at, um, I guess, in this area, um, I would be looking at the beaten-up fund managers. Not right now. Um, I think there's a cycle that's going to go through in the next three to six months. And when that goes through and you start to see inflows coming into fund managers, that would be the time to jump into fund managers. I'm not buying the platform guys because yep. you don't have an advantage. Fair enough. All right. The other thing, uh, just quickly, yep. Andrew, the other thing, of course, if the market does turn down, which is both my and I's views, yep. investors tend to go to cash. And both of these platform uh, type of businesses earn much less money when that money's sitting in cash than they do if Indeed. it's in the transaction accounts. Yeah. All right. Somebody to be wary of. Okay. Uh, we're falling behind time-wise, so we better get into it as stocks as picked by you. The first one. Uh, one of the big miners, Rio Tinto. Pam, wanting to know about this. Um, certainly attractive as far as the dividend is concerned, but all, of course, dependent on where that iron ore price is going. Nathan, what are your thoughts? Uh, look, the miners are being managed as well as they have been for a long time. Um, Rio, you know, with Osmin disappearing, you've you got to find a guy who's got a decent amount of copper and iron ore. Rio's, you know, I suppose after um, BHP is the next best diversified player, it's solid. 
but it's pricing in a fair amount of China optimism. Um, and I don't think that's quite logical where we are um, and where we what we've seen. Um, I mean, if you look at the Chinese data that's come out in the last couple of weeks, they've been pretty weak. We're talking recession week. Um, so the reopening will help. There will be recovery, but that's priced in. The other thing to remember is their dominant earner is the iron ore, and China has moved to a consolidated buying process. So I don't think we're going to be getting those $200, uh, you know, $200 price target for iron ore running anytime soon. Uh, things will be managed better. So in that context, up the upside is limited. Um, the dividends, you've got to remember, the dividends are good while the iron ore price is high. When iron ore prices go down, so does the dividends. So it is not a dividend stock. Let's get that right. It is a cyclical, classic cyclical. So dividends will go down. This is, for me, we're probably at the peak of some of these commodity stocks. We are talking about global recession, which is spreading from Europe to US, and that will weigh on China and that will weigh on iron ore. I don't see a lot of upside in the short term. I think it's a solid hold. If iron ore starts to roll over, then it becomes a sell. Mm. At this point, we are not holding iron ore stocks, and I think the macro is still negative. Yeah, okay. Carl? Yeah, pretty similar to Nathan. So just to put some perspective on Rio Tinto, because I know it is a, a stalwart of many uh, viewers' portfolios. So currently, uh, FY22 earnings, iron ore is worth 80% of their um, earnings of NPAT. Uh, but that's good. And so aluminium is 15%, copper is 6%, and everything else is 6%. Their production mix is going to change over time, though. So if we, if we push that out a couple of years to 2024, iron ore's come down to 72%, aluminium's gone up to 22% from 15%, and copper has gone from 6 to 12%. So that's very interesting to see how that mix is going to change. But ultimately, as Nathan says, uh, iron ore is still the main game and it, certainly in the short term that is how it's going to be priced the other key point there about you mentioned sort of dividend yields and certainly the yield is good based upon historical earnings so we're talking about 13 percent uh, for the current year but that's going to drop to about seven percent um, well i guess 30 percent past year current year seven percent next year out uh, from that is going to be about four four point three percent so you can see how that's normalizing and the pe is going to go from a very low six times to 12 times so the the key thing here i keep telling um think markets clients is don't look at a historical set of numbers for a company and go oh that's what i'll be getting and look forward to these wonderful dividend yields the earnings picture is always changing and therefore the dividend um, picture is going to change as well mm. so just very quickly on um uh, on Rio, iron ore is the main game, so that is what I will discuss. I'm a little bit like Nathan. I think uh, plenty of good stuff has been built into that iron ore price. I am a China bear. I think we've got, as he said, a few quarters of some pretty potentially bad stuff that could happen before we get to the other side. And then the massive stimulus that they are planning may well kick in. Um, the other thing I'll mention is that seasonally, January and February, so November, December are massive. I wish I could show you this chart, but looking at seasonal trends for iron ore, November, December, massive, massive months, okay? And we saw that reflected in 2022. January, February, far more modest, but still up. And then you look at the period from March through to April, and we are seeing one of the weakest periods historically for iron ore. And you do tend to see falls of somewhere around about five, potentially up to 10%, okay? So seasonally, this is potentially where we're priced for perfection on iron ore. So yep. with all of those things in mind and with the technicals of Rio, um, getting close to a, a, what I would suggest to you is a supply zone, major sell zone between 120 and 130. Stay with Nathan, hold it. 
but watching for black candles, upper shadows in that 120 to 120, 130 zone to take some profits here. So not jumping all out, but certainly mm. taking a bit off the table to reflect some of those, um, the fact that some of those fundamentals could change for the worse. All right. The okay, so you gotta watch that one carefully. All right, let's get into the second one. This is uh, MMA Offshore. Now, look, I don't know a lot about this, but uh, Carl, it is in your part of the world, uh, WA base yeah. there. Marine services provider, in fact, it's uh, contracted by the Australian uh, Hydrogra Hydrographic uh, Office in terms of doing marine surveys. And um, yeah, interesting, it's uh, looking at the share price, you'd be attracted by that chart, Carl? I love it. No, it's it's one of my most um, featured stocks. Uh, I do my Tuesday sessions. We talk about it there. Um, it's all over my Twitter. You know, go check my Twitter. Um, it's probably my most featured chart, actually, is my, my stocks of the day when I put them out. Um, so from about 40 cents, I've been uh, talking about this one. It's now about 95. But it's just, it's just classic um, theory of, you know, uh, in, in, a, in a mining boom, um, don't go digging the stuff out, sell the shovels to the miners, and that's effectively what they're doing. So they operate a bunch of um, uh, vessels which service uh, your, your oil rigs, which assist with your exploration, as you said, uh, mapping the ocean floor for the Defence Department. Um, it is going to ebb and flow. It is going to be a, a, a cyclical earner, much uh, aligned with the uh, energy sector. But I do think you know, the fundamentals, the outlook for the for, for energy exploration development, I think is very, very good, given some of these, you know, geopolitical concerns uh, around energy security. Um, just that's all very macro stuff, very micro stuff. They continue to grow earnings. I mean, they just announced literally a 70% upgrade year, uh, year on year that surprised the market. And that was that big blip up there you see in mm. December. So I, I like companies that are surprising the market in, 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 a, in, a, in a good way. Um, so yeah, originally tipped this one about 43. I've called it a buy at 48, 52. Most recently, 76. I've been on Osby's calling it a buy. Uh, I'm going to say uh, hold it if you've got it from any of those um, suggestions, and I'm still happy to buy it here. Our va a fair value target on this one is a, is a buck 37. Um, so I still think there's plenty of upside. Yep, Nathan. Yeah, look, I'll, I'll run through quickly. Um, the two stocks that we were looking at for mining services in the energy sector. It was MMA and uh, Matrix, MCE. Both of them have had a huge run-up with what's happened in the energy sector. Um, they've more than doubled, and both of them have done really well. And, I mean, these guys do nothing when uh, the energy sector is in the doldrums, and they go gangbusters when things go nuts, and things have gone nuts. Um, so both of them are doing well. Mining, we like mining services um, overall. Um, I think it's the cat's out of the bag a bit. Everyone knows the mining services are doing better. It's a tough sector and you need to be careful because when the steam goes out, things struggle. Um, so for me, it's a solid hold. Um, I think it's a good business doing well. It's an upgrade cycle. Um, the first sign of trouble, I am out of there because these are classic cyclicals. Uh, we've played the mining services through seven group. Um, it's a big boy. Uh, it gives you multiple exposures and caterpillar exposure. And mm. that's a much better way to play the mining services with a bit of defense attached to it. And that's been on the recovery cycle for a while now as well. But that's not as bad because it's big and it has much more diversified model and should hold you when cycles turn against you. Um, so I think the mining services look good, but MRM, uh, where it is, I think yep. it's done well. It's a haul. Okay. All right. Well, let's now get into uh, those guys that are actually doing the digging, um, certainly in gold medals tech. 
uh, is our next stock. And uh, it's actually, it's got its Sturic Gold deposit in Slovakia. Uh, and of course, we know what's going on with gold at the moment, but interesting to see how it's placed. And it's, I gather it's already produced around one and a half million ounces of gold and also silver as well. Um, Nathan, what do you make of metals tech? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're in an uh, interesting sector. Um, I haven't heard of this one before I had a quick look through. Um, I mean, look, precious metals are doing really well. So as we were talking before, China uncertainty, US dollar has rolled over, that's positive for commodities. Uh, so the best commodities at the moment have been precious metals. So gold is doing well, silver is doing well. Um, so in that context, look, you're in the right spot at the right time. Um, yeah, I've got issues with um, sovereign risk in some of these miners. Um, so I'm a bit scared. Uh, most of the gold picks that we've chosen by default have been Australian gold miners uh, because they tend to not lose their mines. Uh, so that's been our play. This is done well. Uh, and look, I think if you're there, you've done well, um, I would hold it. Obviously, you have a higher um, risk tolerance uh, than most people because it is a small cap. Uh, but in saying that, it's in the right space. It seems to be doing well. And I think you hold it, see how far it goes. But um, for me, the bigger boys in the gold space, the mm. big producers, they're offering you pretty good value. Um, none of them are expensive and brokers are all upgrading all the big gold miners. So for me, if I was playing that exposure, I generally go to the big producers first. When they get expensive, then I go down the food chain. And for me, while the big guys are cheap or relatively cheap, I don't need to take the risk in this kind of market. So that's why I'm a bit more cautious on it. Yeah. But if you're there, you hold on because right. you're in the right spot. It's moving. Well, in fact, we're going to mention another gold miner very shortly. So maps you can expand on what are your, your preferences are there. Carl, um, what are your thoughts on Metals Tech? And, and I mean, that, uh, that chart looks, uh, looks, looks pretty good at this point. Yeah, the chart's very constructive, uh, not exactly bottom left, top right, but there is certainly a, what I classify as a short-term uptrend. So if you was kind of imagine my uh, my trend ribbons, right? So the short-term trend ribbon is up, the long-term trend ribbon is up, and that's great in a bear market. Look, you know I'm bullish gold. We've had these discussions in the past, Andrew. I'm not a gold bug. I'm the opposite, but I concede defeat when it's going up, and I'm a trend follower, so I'm happy to jump on the bandwagon. I agree with Nathan. I, I do think producers are a better way to go. These guys aren't producing. Just to correct you on a, an earlier point there, Andrew, okay. what you saw with 1.5 million is their reserves. So they've got 1.5 million uh, in gold reserves and 11 million uh, ounces of silver. So there's a nice little um, uh, uh, diversification there, if you want to call it. So they're not mining yet. They're at pre-feasibility stage. So that's quite a long way. That's at least a couple of years if everything goes perfectly to plan to getting to putting a shovel in to, to, to start the mine. So they're in Slovakia. I don't think there's going to be a lot of sort of sovereign risk associated with Slovakia, but there are some issues with the mine. It's about a kilometre away from a township and they've got all sorts of extra things they're going to have to do with this mine. So dust suppression, uh, sound suppression. They won't be able to drill and blast uh, all day long. They'll have to do that in, in certain times. They have to be super, super careful with how they dispose of their waste and their tailings. So there are some complications here. The best I can see, uh, based upon, uh, because there's only pre-feasibility stage, I, I couldn't find the data, but probably um, producing around about 100,000 ounces per annum, which puts it in the very, very low um, tier of, of, of in terms of 
production, right? So minnow mining, 15 year mine life is, is somewhat attractive, very low cost of production, only $750 US. So look, there's some good stuff. I'll, I'll get to the point. There's some good stuff there. There's some st stuff I'm concerned about. I can go a hold based upon the chart, but there's not enough in it for me to upgrade sort of buy just yet. Okay, all right. Um, let's get into something completely different, Polynovo. And uh, Stuart wanted to know about this. It does develop medical devices in, uh, well, Australia as well as, well, across the globe, essentially, in lots of markets, including the States. Um, and has uh, recently received commitments for uh, institutional investors to raise another $30 million to accelerate growth, particularly in the US. Carl, um, how do you see Polynova at the moment? Uh, I do like Polynovo. So out of all of the, um, you know, the, the biotechs here uh, that are trying to get something approved, get it to market and make some money out of it, I think these guys are much further down the track than, than most of them. Uh, the tech works, like we know that. Um, they're, they're already selling the tech. That's a big tick in a number of regions and with a number of approvals for, for sales and a number of other regions to come on board through 2023. So we've got, you know, we've got revenues, we've got increasing revenues, we've got a path to profitability. So probably uh, definitely lost money in FY22 probably going to lose money this year, but only just. And then we're looking for their maiden profit in FY24 with some substantial growth from there. So triple digit growth as um, sales start to ramp up. So if you don't know what they do, it's uh, wound care um, rehabilitation. It, it's a, a, a biodegradable matrix that fills the, the wound. So for a burn or for a foot ulcer are some of the applications. And then the, the body's own um, sort of regenerative uh, processes come in and, and, and fill that matrix and, and, and start to um, you know rebuild itself uh, through that process. So um, very, very good tech. As I said, very popular with the doctors. So you've got a lot of doctors that are um, are taking this product and, and and on their own accord going and using it for other applications because they can see it working. It's working so well. So they're getting a lot of feedback coming in for other applications as well. And it, look, it is kind of a, a a single product company at the moment, but there are just so many applications. Those applications are growing. So I'm I'm kind of gushing about it. I do like the company. I like what they do. Um, I like I like I don't I don't mind um, the, the 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 valuation here. I think it actually is one of those that looks really cheap because I can actually say earnings are going to come in here. Um, so I, 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 my fair value target is 326, which, mm. you know, it's crazy sort of upside. Uh, the chart is the only thing holding me back from going, say, bang the table super buy, um, but it's not bad either. So I've got, I do have that long-term trend ribbon that's in place. The short-term trend ribbon is just sort of wavering around. It just can't decide whether it wants to take that next step through 220. But I would say, um, look, I, I'd say buy. I'm going to call it a buy. I'm going to say add some here. Yep. Um, if, let's say, and I'm just purely hypothetical numbers, let's say you punt wanted to put $1,000 on it, divide that in three, buy some now so you've got some exposure because I really do like it. And then let's say it closes above 220, add the next third. And if it closes above 230, then you're fully into this one. Okay, that is a strategy to follow. Nathan, your view. Yeah, look, I'm a sucker for biotechs, but um, I think you've got to remember the cycle. Uh, where we are in the cycle, it's about uh, commodities because of the inflation cycle. Um, the real risk is we get uh, another inflation cycle and things prices take off again. Um, and you know governments, you know central banks, they can't handle too much pain. The vote, voters want 
cheap money and suddenly they'll give it away and then ride another cycle up. So if that happens, commodities will run and most people are expecting that. So the problem with that is biotechs don't get the love when there's an inflation cycle because commodities are uh, the big play. Because commodities and biotechs offer you the same, um, I suppose, the big massive blue sky. So that's the risk return. So investors tend to not look at biotechs in the current cycle. I think that's going to continue for into 2023. So that's what's going to hold them back. But uh, look, Polynova, is a, it's a really interesting tech, as Carl said. It's been in the a play for years. Um, you know, people love it, people hate it. Uh, this always gets thrown around. Um, I'm not going to jump in now. I think you wait. We think the market's going to pull back. Well, this is the high risk play, so it'll get smacked a bit. So you'll get it cheaper if you wanted to play the thematic. I think you wait over the next three to six months, you'll get it cheaper. Now is not the time to jump in. Okay, that's Polynovo. Let's uh, get back into gold mining. Perseus, Rob wanting to know about this. Um, share price up around 30% uh, just in the last six months or so. It's got three gold mines. It's operating in Africa. All right, Nathan, Perseus, and perhaps more broadly, you know what, what, you, what your picks are in the gold sector at the moment. Yeah, look, we like um, most of the gold miners. We've stuck to the Aussie gold miners purely because of the sovereign risk, um, whether it's operational or whether it's government. Um, you know, when you get a global recession cycle, emerging markets tend to get into trouble. Um, so that's the risk we're facing, and gold miners tend to have a history of losing their minds, literally. Um, so in that context, we're a bit scared. Perseus is a really well-managed uh, gold miner. They're um, top, top quality. Granted, it, it is the African exposure, so we kind of stayed out of it, um, and that's probably not been the best strategy, but still, I'm happy to see it because everything else has done well. Um, most of the other African gold miners haven't actually done that well. So Perseus has done really well. The two best performing gold miners are probably Perseus and Gold Road. Uh, so we're in Gold Road, so we're happy with one out of the two. Um, so look, if you're there, I'm happy to hold it because we still think gold price goes higher. Um, so in that context, the whole sector benefits and Perseus is, you know, got a great management and executing well. So I suspect it will keep doing well. But if I had to pick at this point, I'm still picking the big boys. Um, so I'm looking at the two big, probably the lesser loved ones is Evolution and Newcrest. Um, Evolution for the sake that Klein, I mean, look, you back the guy uh, when the sector is running hot and the sector is running and Klein is one of the great managers of the business. And I think Evolution will do really well and it pays a good dividend. Mm. The, other, the other reason why you look at Newcrest is because Newcrest is a substantial copper player. And you're not going to get a global recovery without copper. And copper uh, with Newcrest, you get gold and copper. So Newcrest has been taking a bit of a hit after the CEO decided to leave. But yep. um, look, it's, it'll, it'll recover and it's a copper play as well. So in that context, the two big boys, producing boys, I think worth looking at. Okay. Carl, so Perseus and perhaps your favoured pick in the gold sector. Look, I don't mind Perseus. Uh, I was on uh, with you a little while ago. We talked about some of my picks in the sector. I mentioned uh, Newcrest, same as uh, Mathan, uh, Evolution. Uh, Romelius looks good on the chart, but wouldn't be necessarily up there in my um, in terms of operations slash valuation. Uh, but hey, chart always is number one for me. So Newcrest, Evolution, Romelius, and Northern Star actually is, is one that probably doesn't get mentioned enough. Uh, now, with all of those off the top of my head, uh, they are all pretty much uh, Australian or North American production. In fact, I'm quite correct. Uh, the problem with 
Perseus is not so much a problem. It is the fact that they are based in uh, the Ivory Coast. Uh, Sudan is uh, where their big mine is going to come on as well. Uh, so they, they do trade at a discount. So if you look at the PE discount, you're looking at 11 times for Perseus, uh, Northern Stars at 46 times, uh, Newcrest at 14 times, Evolution at 17. But Northern Star has uh, its, its growth profile is, is much, much better. So that's, that's a different story. But just telling you, there is a discount there because of its African production. Look, mm. one of the benefits about African production is they tend to be really low cost and Perseus definitely falls into that category. Look, we're talking about Perseus, so I'm gonna say a hold on Perseus. They do have some issues where their uh, life of mine um, uh, is, is life of mines, plural, is is on the low side. So it took about five years. And again, they're, they're gonna to have to bring on that new production. So there's a little bit of a risk there. Whereas say um, life of mine, production for the other ones are far, far longer. We're talking 27 years for yep. Newcrest, for example. Uh, so I think I've been pretty specific. Hold on Perseus. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm happy to buy Newcrest, Northern Star, Evolution, and Romelius are my top picks in gold at the moment. That is gold, and in particular, Perseus. All right, let's sum up where we've been for the first half of the show. We began with our well, stocks of the day, uh, looking at those disruptors in the wealth management uh, sector. Uh, this is off the back of a note from Jefferies, uh, looking at the growth potential of, in particular, Hub24 and net wealth. Uh, Carl coming up with a pairs trade there, saying essentially go long on Hub24, short on net wealth. Uh, Mathan, uh, he's prepared to uh, to hold both, but certainly he sees preference there as far as far as Hub Twenty Four is concerned. Um, all right, and then into the stocks as picked by you. The first one being Rio Tinto, and um, Nathan has a hold on it. Um, he's saying perhaps that uh, China optimism has already been priced in. There are some concerns there, also shared by Carl. He's got a hold on it. Um, but potentially taking some profit there, given what's going on in China at the moment, certainly over the next six months, to be concerned about. And next up, MMA Offshore, a hold from Carl with the potential to buy, seeing plenty of upside there, a hold also from Mathan. Uh, Metals Tech, uh, we've had a couple of gold stocks already. Uh, that is in uh, Slovakia. Uh, Mathan has a hold on it. We're talking about sovereign risk here. Um, Carl, he's certainly bullish on gold. He's got a hold on it. Polynovo, uh, he's saying he uh, likes what they do, Carl, that is, uh, and it's looking fairly cheap. He'd be willing to add at this stage. Uh, Mathan saying recognising biotech is a difficult space to operate in. Uh, he's waiting to buy. And finally there, Perseus back into the gold sector. Uh, once again, sovereign risk given it mainly operates in Africa, a hold from both, uh, with both, in fact, preferring the Australian producers, Newcrest, Evolution, Northern Star. All right. Uh, just let's uh, check in now on the calls. Uh, high conviction Fund, which is picked by our investment committee. Uh, the latest episode of that committee is live here to watch at ausbiz.com. So checking in on the update into December, into the new year, BAPCOR and Domino's were removed. Index and Janison Education were added and Elders was increased its weighting. Uh, in terms of performance, it's up 6.5% on a cumulative return basis since the beginning of March. So keep sending in requests and get the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next. 
At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next. Coming up in January, the call super buy. All your favorite experts, one super buy. If an expert really loves a stock, all they have to scream is super buy. And it will go straight to the investment committee. All of January, exclusive to the call. Only on Ausbiz. Yeah, watch out for that super buy. We haven't had one yet. We've still got five stocks to go, though. Uh, we'll be looking at ANZ, Strike Energy, Yankol, Zimplatz, and G8 Education. All right, so let's uh, get into ANZ. Kieran wanting to know about this. Um, Nathan, I guess you look at the, the top, you know, the big four, ANZ appears to be the one that's less favoured at the moment. Uh, look, it's getting into new digital banking platform, ANZ Plus Plus is looking to pick up um, that banking division from Suncorp, which is yet to be decided by the ACCC. Uh, what are your thoughts then on ANZ? Yeah, I think the, the banking sector is going to be a tough one in 2023. Um, it's held up pretty well. I mean, if you look at, um, I, I think that, the, the, the most favorite one of the four is obviously CBA. Um, I mean, Macquarie is probably the best, but uh, it's probably not in the, the pure bank play. Um, and if you look at CBA, in the last 18 months, it's pretty much gone sideways. Um, and every time it's gone above $105, you sell it. Uh, and that's been the strategy. And I don't change from that. I still think it's a sell. I think CBA is one of the biggest sell that nobody will do simply because most people bought the banks at a very low cost and have held it for a long time, especially the retail investors. And for tax implication, they are preferring to hold it through the cycle rather than sell and go back in. Uh, that being said, uh, ANZ is a discount because it should be. Um, it's not as good as the others. Um, the, pretty much everything has struggled apart from CBA. CBA gets a um, premium. I don't know why. I mean, yes, historically they have done well, but now they're all the same. <clears throat> they just play the housing cycle. And we all know uh, when we get to Q2, there's a substantial part of the Aussie mortgage market is going to roll over from fixed to variable, and there's going to be a lot of financial troubles there and for consumer spending. So in that context, we all know there's going to be a tough win coming. It's a tough sector. Um, they have held up better than they should have. And I think they're going to struggle. And RBA is giving false hope by not hiking rates to control inflation. And they are running the risk that they lose control. Now, we can see it uh, in most parts of the world. The housing sector has rolled over. And in Australia, it's being held up because of RBA talk rather than what they should be doing. So I'm not backing the banking sector mm. here. I think it's going to be tough. Um, and you know, you don't buy a bad house in, in a street just because the sector is going to be in trouble. So um, if you're going to buy a bank, stick to CBA yep. because the market loves it. Um, otherwise, don't pick the worst guy in a bad street. All right. Is it a sell then? It's a sell. Yeah. Okay. All right, Carl? 
Yeah, I think it's a sell as well. Right. And we're pretty similar, I think, markets in terms of the, the banks in general. Uh, we think they're, they're overvalued uh, by as much as 13.6% on uh, CBA, 14% on NAB. Bendigo's probably about 5%. ANZ's about 10% overvalued. Westpac's probably the best value. It's at around fair value for us, slightly overvalued. In terms of, I know it doesn't matter what Mason says. It doesn't matter what I, I say. Viewers are going to completely ignore us. Is that fair to say, Nathan? No, nobody, nobody <laughs> yeah. listening to us, nobody yeah. listening to us is going to sell their banks as a result of anything yeah. we're saying. They're, they're going to hold them through the cycle. Yeah, they're going to hold on to their banks and because they don't want to play the game of trying mm. to buy them back cheaper, right? They just want to keep yeah. collecting their dividend yield. So, hey, forget what I just said about I think it's a sell and I think sell the sector and they're completely overvalued. I think they, uh, Nathan, I think they got a huge boost simply because of their value trade, uh, which was yeah. which where we've reflected what happened in the US and fund managers in a tough time, had to buy something because money was rolling in and these are, are seen, seen to be big and liquid, right? So they got themselves overvalued and then maybe the day of reckoning, in fact, I actually said that in my Tuesday note a couple of weeks ago, I said the day of reckoning, quote unquote, the day of reckoning for Australian banks is coming and they're off about 5 five to 7% since, since that call. Um, but hey, again, cut that because nobody's going to listen to me about what I just said. So this is what people really want to hear. What are the dividend yields currently? Okay. Um, looking one year out. So forecast FY23 consensus yields, ANZ 6.6% is your best yielding back. So on that basis, you'd go out and buy it. Bendigo 6.1%, CBA 4.3%, that's your least attractive one. NAB 5.7% and Westpac 6.1%. On balance, I'd go Westpac if I had to pick one. All right. Okay. What do you mean we're not going to ignore what you just said? Oh, no, viewers are going to ignore everything yeah. I said. They just want to know what the dividend yield is. The CBA dividend yield is actually less than, uh, at, at a point in the last couple of months, was actually less than the US 10-year bond yield. If you don't think the banks are expensive when that happens, I don't yeah. know what else you need to do. All right, okay. 15, 15, 15%. Potentially downside from. So uh, you can down. convince uh, any of our viewers. All right, we're we're falling behind, so we better pick up the pace. Uh, let's get into Strike Energy. Carl, we're back in your part of the world. Of course, this is this battle that's going literally. on the, in the Perth Basin. Yeah, literally, my part of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's the Perth Basin. Um, it's uh, up to Santi for control of its joint venture partner Warrigo. Uh, we've had. Hancock essentially tried to trump that. Uh, Beach has already dropped out. So um, where's this leave strike energy at the moment? Yeah, you had Stokes and Reinhardt yeah. bidding for this Warrigo asset, which is really effectively, it's half of uh, West Aragala, which is in the Perth Basin here. It's a, a couple of hundred clicks north of Perth. Uh, look, really significant uh, gas-producing province for the Perth market, because the rest of it, and I'm talking 85% of it comes from the North West Shelf, but it's really, you know, it's relatively more expensive to get it down here. So Perth Basin, super, super crucial. Um, Perth gas prices on the rise from, you know, three, four dollars, more recently, five, six dollars. Predictions are seven, eight dollars, not in the not too distant future. So you can see why the billionaires are chasing these assets and then we just had minres go off and buy uh northwest energy or at least they bid for it i don't think there's anybody else uh, in in play there but certainly plenty of players for the warrigo uh asset the other half of west aragala mm. and i think it's a bit of a distraction for strike to be honest it's not the jewel in the crown funnily enough i mean it is uh, quite close to production um they're already producing out of whalering uh, so that's going to give them their maiden cash flows uh, West Aragala is, is, is uh, you know, a key part of the puzzle, but South Aragala is 
bigger and it's 100% owned by Strike, whereas you know, West Aragala is 50% uh, 50% share. So, look, there's plenty more to Strike than just what's going on with Warrigo. But I do think they've, you know, it's 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 a distraction. It's going to be dilutive. What they've had been forced by the market to to is a script offer, right? So to to, to pay for this. Mm. Um, I've I've been on this show many times and I have said, look, you know, assets are undervalued, but unless the market agrees, no point. That's the strike story, right? For people who own it, they know exactly what I'm saying, right? They all think the same. Assets are undervalued. Why is my share price not going up? And I'm saying, hey, hey, you need to, you need momentum here. Hey, yep. look, this has given it some momentum. I can certainly get to a hold on this, mm-hmm. but my my fear is that it the, the leopard doesn't change its spots. It goes back to the old strike. Stuck's trending a bit lower again. Yeah. Look, I'm a hold and not a buy. All right. Okay. Nathan, uh, sorry, better make it brief. Yeah, sure. Um, oh, look, it's a sell for me. Um, energy sector, recession cycle, uh, oil prices will probably struggle. Uh, we had to be very selective in what we pick. And we went with Karun, mainly because they're acquiring assets and increasing production in Brazil. And that works much better at this point in the cycle. They're the only uh, petrol, well, oil producer in the Aussie market. So yeah. um, I prefer Karun over um, Strike. Okay. All right. Well, let's stay in energy. Our next stock is Yan Coal. Uh, Troy wanted to know about this. It is uh, produces uh, thermal and metallurgical coal. Uh, has done very well over the past year, as well, should be no surprise, of course, given what's happened with energy prices. Uh, so, Nathan, um, of course, those coal stocks have been hammered in the past week or so. How do you look at Yan Coal? Yeah, look, anything with coal in it has been on an absolute rip through 2021. Well, the first three quarters of 2021, sorry, 2022, <laughs> two years of my passing by. Um, and then things have started to roll over. Um, look, I, I think you have to, I've been saying this for a number of months now, um, coal has done well, everyone's done well, we're going into a recession, demand will uh, fade and coal stocks will come off. And for me, the energy thematic still holds. Um, I think food and energy supply demand um, dynamics is set up for shocks. So I like uh, the energy sector. I just think you need to go from the hot to the other parts of the energy sector. So we've been moving gradually from coal to other parts. So that was my suggestion for a number of months and I haven't changed from that. I think I'll be selling coal and buying other energy plays to ruin for the uh, oil play. You can look at Santos or uh, Woodside for the gas play. Um, and then you look at uranium, uh, much more speculative on the bigger long-term plays. And we've been backing Boss Energy on that. And so in that context, that's the basket I'm looking at. So I'm positive for the energy basket. I'm not that positive on coal at the moment. Mm. I haven't been for months. And I'd be saying the same thing I've been saying for months. Um, sell gradually out of coal and move into other parts of the energy sector. Okay. Carl. Yeah, look, we were out of coal there for for a little bit, mm. uh, but you know, the Godfather movie had pulled us back in. Uh, so we, you know, you know, I said that one third, one third. So we stepped out of it, took some great profits, and we put a third, we put a toe back in the water. So um, I haven't done my Tuesday sessions for a few weeks now because of the, the Christmas holiday. So for people who tune into my sessions and watching today, um, there are some decent supply side candles that we look at. You know what I'm talking about. Um, so I, I think we back off on that third and we just go flat uh, neutral on this, uh, just as a precautionary measure based upon the technicals. Uh, on the fundamentals, look, it's it's. I think it's just an arbitrage play. Um, so I get what Nathan's saying about you know the cycle, but you know if coal does stay up here, gosh, they're cheap. I mean, we're talking about 
you know, trading at uh, less than one in terms of enterprise value to revenue. Uh, we're talking about, you, you, you know, if, if, if coal, now this is huge hypothetical, if coal prices um, stay up here for a couple of years, some of these stocks are going to pay back your investment just in dividends over that period. That's how cheap they are. But the big question is where a coal price is going to be in a couple of years, and nobody knows, and that's risk and reward in the markets, isn't it? There's no free lunches. So you got the message there on the technicals. I'm flat on coal, um, and if it starts to go again, hey, I'm happy to jump on the, the, the next run. Um, if it turns down, well, it won't matter because yep. we're flat. All right, so that's what, a, a hold then? No, it's not even, well, it's, no, it's neutral, avoid. Neutral, nothing. yeah, okay, fair enough. All right. Let's um, stay in resources. Our next one is Zimplats. Um, and once again, I guess the issue here is sovereign risk. Uh, it's in, well, it's in Zimbabwe, uh, in the platinum group of metals, uh, platinum, palladium, rhodium, iridium, other iniums. Um, <laughs> Carl, what do you think of Zimplats? Uh, yes, so uh, you get your iniums there. There's the second, uh, rhodium. Do you say rhodium? Right. Yeah, rhodium. The, yeah, rhodium. There you go. So, palladium. Azimium. <laughs> You're going to do the, the tune. What's the uh, the periodic table song? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> look, palladium is their main show. Um, I did have the the percentages here, and I've lost them. Uh, but palladium is their main show. Rhodium is the is the next main show, and then platinum. They're the three big ones. They do produce some gold as well. They produce a little bit of nickel. They produce a little bit of copper. But the PGEs are the main. Um, market there. So if you look at the price of the two big ones, palladium and rhodium, those charts are downtrends. So they got a big pop up on the uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Now, I don't know the fundamentals of those markets. I'm not going to uh, purport to be an expert, but I'm suggesting here, based upon that, Russia's probably got a, a decent supply here, or Ukraine does, or the two together, right? But since then, like many of those uh, minerals that, that popped up on that, those prices have been coming down. Now, the platinum price, that tends to move, I know a bit more about that market, that tends to move on the gold price, and that is heading up. And we heard we're, we're bullish on that one. So I think uh, given that two-thirds of their earnings, the, 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 the minerals prices don't look great, I think that's your red flag there. Operationally, they're fine. And people have this default aversion to anything in Zimbabwe or Africa, mm. soft risk. But they're doing really well. They've been really, really good on their production, really good on managing costs. They are a low-cost producer. So I don't think you discount them simply for that. I'm just going to, again, it's a neutral here. If you've got it, I, look, it's tough because I, I, I think if you've got it, switch to a gold producer. You know, I'd almost go sell just on that basis. Um, and if you don't have it, you don't need to look at it. Okay. Nathan. Yeah, look, Zim is a precious play, precious metals play. Um, so in that context, you've got to look at it against what other opportunities you have. Carl's right. Um, if you look at where gold, I mean, we don't have too many silver plays. Um, so technically, you're looking at gold plays, and gold producers are cheap. Uh, risk return uh, is much better. So I don't see the big upside. And gold price is running. Um, most precious metals are running, and this hasn't done too much. So that tells me that the market is fairly well priced. I mean, it's a $2 billion market cap. It's not a tiny stock. Um, so it's a big play. Um, so I'd be looking at gold producers in this part of the cycle uh, because they're the ones that are going to benefit from the current run. Um, so I, I don't see this as being on a risk return basis stacking up. So I'd probably move towards an evolution or a nucleus at this point. Yep. Okay. That is in place. Right. Let's round out with G8 education. 
Um, Lynn wanted to know about this. It is the childcare conglomerate. Um, let's take a look at the share price. I mean, it's off around 65% over the past five years, just in the past three years since COVID. It's essentially flatlined. Um, so, Nathan, how do you view G8 then, um, just as far as particularly its growth potential at this point? Yeah, this is an industry that everyone thought should be doing well, and it should be, but it doesn't, it hasn't, and I don't think it's going to. Um, it's hard to get in, to get excited about. Um, I think, you know, if you drive around most suburbs, and especially I'm, I'm in Western Sydney, and if you drive around here, everyone is building um, childcare centres. There's so many childcare centres coming on board. Like every second street in my suburb has a new childcare centre being built. So there's a lot of uh, supply coming. I don't see this being a great model. It's a bit like the gyms. You know, a couple of years ago, everyone was getting excited about gyms. Now there's gyms everywhere. Uh, and I think that's kind of playing into the childcare as well. So I'm not excited by it. I think it's a. it was an interesting model. Now there's too much supply coming. I don't think you're... The, the differentiation is hard to hold. There's no moat to the business. Um, and I think with weaker consumers, more competition, chances are the prices are going to go down and the margins will be under pressure. So, um, I, I'm, look, it's had a pretty decent bounce from the lows. Mm. Um, I'd take the money and go somewhere else. Yeah, okay. Carl? Yeah, look, in terms of moat, I mean, I guess you work from home, look after your kids possibly is a structural headwind as well. Uh, Labor shortages, uh, pandemic impacts, floods. I mean, you look at why their earnings took a big hit in 2020, 2021 is obvious, but earnings weren't growing before that. So that's the other thing I'd, I'd note is that a lot of companies, they get a free pass because, okay, the pandemic Fair enough. But things weren't so great before that. So that's the thing. Uh, that's a big red flag for me. Um, the chart doesn't look terrible. It's not a buy, though. It's, it's, it, look, it's not terrible, not a buy. I just think even if you were to add some here, and that's, that's the best I could go, go, is add a little bit of risk here. I think your upside is maybe... 10 or 15% because there is a major supply zone around 130, 132. So, look, the fundamentals are okay right? Not compelling. The chart is okay, not compelling. And that's probably all viewers need to know. I mean, is that what you want in your portfolio? Okay, not compelling. So look, if you've got it, I can see a path to holding it. If you don't, I don't think you need to look at it. Yeah, you're not convinced though, are you? Doesn't no, sound like clearly. it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, yeah, I don't know about that working from home uh, theory you've got there. I think if, you, if you're <laughs> trying to if you're trying to work around. and look after the kids at the same time, well, we've seen all the, someone's going to suffer. Haven't we? Yeah. 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 We've seen videos of kids kids walking in. And... Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, let's uh, let's sum up where we've been for the second half of the show. Then we began with ANZ. Uh, look, Nathan's saying it's a tough sector. It's uh, discounted as it should be. He's got to sell on it, as does Carly said. Essentially, it's 10% overvalued. Strike Energy, that battle in the Perth gas basin. Uh, Carl's got a hole in it. Uh, Mathan uh, opting to sell, essentially, preferring Karoon uh, in energy. Uh, speaking of which, Yan Coal uh, in coal. Uh, Mathan, um, he's essentially selling coal, looking at other energy spaces, particularly gas and uranium. And uh, Carl, uh, essentially, look, he's got an avoid on it, saying just too difficult to know where the coal price is going to go at this point. Uh, Zimplats, which is uh, operating uh, particularly platinum palladium in Zimbabwe. Um, Carl pointing out metals are in a downtrend at the moment. He's pretty much neutral on it, uh, although we'd probably opt to sell and buy gold. Um, yeah, Mathan, no. And G8 Education, 
uh, Mathan. He's uh, selling it. Concerned about saturated market uh, in childcare at the moment. Carl tempted to add because he says the potential for a 10 to 15 percent upside. All right, that is the show. Thanks to our guests, Carl. Thanks for joining us from Think Markets. Absolute pleasure. And Thank Nathan, you. thanks also to you. All right, any stocks you'd like to cover us, flick us an email, the call at ausbiz.com.au, and you can tweet us at TV. Stay with us. Small Caps is coming up next. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.